Misfits in the Book of Mormon is now available on Amazon.com. Who were some of these misfits in the Book of Mormon, and what can we learn from them about belonging in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? And how can we fill a stronger sense of belonging with Christ? You can find out more by reading Misfits in the Book of Mormon, now available on Amazon.com. You could also check out my other books, including Oh Lord, My God, The Jesus You Need to Know, The Prodigal Son, and I Survived, Now What? Finding Meaning from Loss. Hello and welcome back to Misfits in the Church. My name is Jerry Cook, and this is a show designed to help individuals who struggle with belonging in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know, there's a song in primary about, I looked out the window and what did I see? Popcorn popping on the apricot tree and how wonderful and fun that is for not only children but adults to sing. I think sometimes as adults, we sing a little bit different tune, and it goes something like this. I looked into the mirror, and what did I see? Receding hairlines and wrinkles looking back at me. Age has brought me such a weird surprise. Belly flab and gray hairs popping right before my eyes. I just made that up. (laughs) Maybe maybe you could continue with the lines. But particularly in the summertime, I think, a lot of times we look in the mirror and we think, oh no, what have I done to my temple? And what happened? We might we might see, we might look in the mirror and think, oh, there's my mom or there's my dad, or um, you know, it might be because of health concerns. I one of my biggest challenges is when I had cancer and I started having radiation and that radiation just burned my skin and so much of my hair fell out. And I know that I haven't experienced it even half as bad as so many millions of other people have experienced, such as through chemotherapy. But it's at the same time, I struggle with those changes over time. I struggle with sometimes looking in the mirror and saying, oh no, not another one, you know, whatever that is. And I think a lot of times we judge ourselves based upon our appearance, not only how we look at at ourselves, but also how we think that other people look at us or how they see us. And unfortunately, that can often be true in, the, in, in church, in congregations as well. A lot of times we might see other individuals or families and think, oh boy, brother and sister got it all together, family. You know, I wish I could be a little bit more like them, but on the other side you're thinking, who do they think they are? Yeah, yeah, I see them. They're climbing that Rami Umptum. Isn't it interesting that in one breath, we will say, oh, man, I wish I could be like them. And in the next breath, we're saying, who do they think they are, huh? Who do they think they are? They think they're all that. 
And so it's just funny with human nature, this whole concept of social comparison, whether it's on social networking sites or in public or it's at church and those kinds of things where we we might think, oh, our house or our car, our family, we, we could never, it, it's not just that we don't look as good as other people at church. It's just, it, it's that point that you get to where you're going, you know what, it's never going to happen. <laughs> it's never. And that's that sometimes is really frustrating. Or it might be really frustrating to those people who feel like, oh, yeah, if we just do more and we do more and we do more and we do more and we spend more and we spend more, and then we could look like this model model family. And that could cause a lot of problems as well. I'm reminded in the scriptures in the book of Samuel that the Lord said that he looks on the heart and not on the outward appearance. And so my question is, if our goal of coming to the earth is to become more like our Father in heaven, and he looks at the heart and not the outward appearance, why is it that we look more on the outward appearance than on the heart? If we do that, and we probably do, can we change that? I think one way of doing that is by thinking about our scars, our weaknesses, our limitations, our pains, whether it's in our physical appearance or in our physical abilities or in our emotional or physical health challenges or in maybe that our family just doesn't seem to measure up to the ramiumptum standard that sometimes we see in some of our churches. Can we look at those flaws or those scars in the same way that our Savior did? Can we look at those flaws or those scars in the same way that our Heavenly Father does? We need to keep in mind that when Jesus returned as a glorified, perfected body, that he still had his scars. Why? I'm sure he didn't have to. But those scars were used in a way that drew other people unto him. And I'm wondering if at times might our scars or the flaws that we try so hard to conceal, cover up, repair, overlook, get rid of, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, could those scars, could those pains, could those weaknesses have a purpose that is specifically designed by God himself? Could those scars, could those bruises, could those weaknesses, could those flaws, could those limitations be opportunities for God to express his glory here upon the earth? I wonder if that's possible. So the next time you look in the mirror or the next time you catch yourself comparing yourself to other people, either when you're on social networking sites or taking selfies or at the church. Remind yourself that the Lord looks upon the heart. And I think a lot of times our scars, our weaknesses and our flaws are there to, you might, you might think that they're there to break your heart and sometimes they do. But sometimes the heart has to break before we're given a new one. 
And that's what Heavenly Father wants to do to each and every one of us, not necessarily break our hearts. But in order for us to become new creatures or new creations in Christ, we have to have a new heart. We have to see things differently than what we're seeing. And I think a lot of times those scars, those flaws, or those imperfections are the way that those things are accomplished. A while ago, I was studying research that was conducted by a trauma expert. And I apologize, I don't have the exact quote with me at the moment, but he, he said something to this extent. He said that trauma is often the birthplace for joy. And if you look at that, a mother who gives birth often experiences a great deal of pain, but that often leads to joy. Similarly, our scars, our flaws, and our pains can, through the gift of our Savior Jesus Christ, become some of our greatest joys in life if we let them, if we stop fighting them, if we stop shaming them, if we stop shaming ourselves, going, why did God make me this way? Why did he give me this problem? Doesn't he know that I, I don't fit in? I don't belong? I don't look like other people? Why am I the only one of this race or the only parent who has a child who deals with addictions or sexual orientations that are different than other people in the church? Why is it that I don't have anyone in my family who is married in the temple or gone on a mission? Might it be that those struggles or those pains are opportunities for us to see in a way that God wants us to see? We can't give that gift to anyone else until we have it. We can't see other people's hearts until we learn how to do it on our own. So that's my invitation to each and every one of us. That every time we see a flaw or a scar, we ask ourselves, or perhaps better off, we ask our Father in Heaven, in what way can this draw me closer to you, Heavenly Father? Just as the Savior scars drew us closer to Him, it might be that our scars, our pain, our trauma, our difficulties in life, our opportunities, our birthplaces for God to create joy in our life. I wish you well. Take care. Bye-bye.